Hey, amazing people. Welcome back to yet another episode of Generation Invincible, a podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by a millennial for millennials and anyone else that cares about the health problems facing our nation. I feel like some of you probably think that as a host of a health-related podcast, I'm all about eating crazy healthy 100% 24-7. Well, I'm here to reveal the truth. I love eating crazy bad food for you just as much as the next person. What can I say? I'm human. You know how everyone has a preference for salty versus sweet? I'm salt all the way. I once had a full-on argument with someone who said that salty foods were the worst and said that their least favorite foods were popcorn, pickles, and olives, which, by the way, are definitely my top 10 favorites. But like many of the really, really yummy and delicious things in this world, salt is pretty bad for you. In fact, this week, the Food and Drug Administration proposed some voluntary guidelines for the food industry to reduce salt, which applies to things from bread to canned soup to meals and restaurants. According to the CDC, more than 70% of the sodium consumed in this country is already in food before it reaches the table, aka your overindulgence of salt isn't really related to the salt shaker on your table. The high amounts of salt consumed by the average American, which is about 50% more than the daily recommendation, is a problem due to an association between high sodium and high blood pressure. We don't want zero sodium in our bodies, as it contributes to vital nerve transmissions and muscle contractions. In fact, it has been studied that the brain responds to sodium in a similar way to heroin, cocaine, and nicotine. And you might have heard this same tidbit in reference to sugar. So now I have a reason slash excuse for my daily popcorn fix. But the bad side effects of salt intake are sometimes really noticeable. They are all related to its water retention properties, which is what causes the high blood pressure, but can also cause you to have puffy skin or to feel bloated. Ultimately, the idea is that the FDA and other organizations who support these guidelines want to make the packaged foods and restaurant options the healthier default option, as opposed to having to choose the lower sodium versions of the foods that people normally buy. I'm sure by now you guys are wondering what the point of this news piece is, so here we go. I think we can all agree that this was a pretty great move by the FDA. However, they have a lot of not-so-great rules, regulations, and standard practices that make their job a little less effective at protecting Americans' health in relation to food and drugs. The biggest problem here is dietary supplements. And yes, in part, I do mean the emergency that you buy thinking it's going to cure your cold. But I also mean the other crazy stuff that is marketed to have you lose like 10 pounds in two days or some other insane claim like that. I'd like to talk today about where the FDA falls short on its responsibility to protect the health and well-being of American citizens, despite its work for the better. Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994 was a statute passed to define and regulate dietary supplements. Today, dietary supplements are regulated by the FDA to ensure good manufacturing practices. It was previously thought that the FDA had a bias towards the dietary supplement industry, which is why a more strict decree, the Nutrition Advertising Coordination Act of 1991, was never passed. It would have tightened regulations regarding supplement labeling, but was fought against by health food companies who said that the FDA would ban dietary supplements altogether. And nobody wanted that, of course, because supplements are good for you. We'll get to that in a second. 
Back to the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. Under the act, supplement manufacturers do not need to receive FDA approval before marketing dietary supplements that were marketed in the United States before 1994. Seems legit, right? But maybe, let's say a company finds out that their product actually has some pretty negative side effects, despite the main ingredient being marketed prior to 1994. And let's say this company is, well, morally repugnant, as no other company has ever had questionable morals. According to the Act, they are not required to report these findings to the FDA, since no product manufactured or marketed before 1994 has any side effects. See reference to the thalidomide disaster with pregnant women in Episode 7. The Act also defines the term of dietary supplement to mean a product, besides tobacco, intended to supplement the diet that bears or contains one or more of the following dietary ingredients, a vitamin, a mineral, an herb or other botanical, an amino acid, a dietary substance for use by man to supplement the diet by increasing the total dietary intake, or a concentrate, metabolite, constituent, extract, or combination of any of the aforementioned ingredients. I can't even really understand what I just said which was actually the definition taken straight from the act. So the FDA regulates regular drugs actually pretty well. Similar to the concept of innocent until proven guilty, but like backwards, I guess, drugs are assumed unsafe until proven safe. This is usually done through clinical trials testing the drug. On the other hand, the FDA can only ban a supplement if the FDA finds proof that the supplement is dangerous. This means that unsafe or ineffective supplements can be sold freely, while the FDA has only a limited capacity to monitor adverse reactions from supplements. The act requires manufacturers to give the FDA evidence that a new ingredient should be safe, but according to an article in the New England Journal of Medicine, this isn't really enforced very well. Since 2004, the FDA has been pulling a particular natural supplement used for erectile dysfunction. Yo, Evan from The Bachelorette, got any thoughts on this? These products, which are marketed as natural, actually contain the active in- ingredient in Viagra, aka not-so-natural. This wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't marketed as a natural supplement, which was probably done in order to avoid the strict rules that the FDA has for drugs in favor of the not-so-strict rules it has for supplements, but without the drug warnings that are put on the same drug within a different market. The active ingredient in question, sildenafil, when taken with nitrates, which is a heart drug, can lower blood pressure to unsafe levels. Also, in case you didn't know, Evan is an erectile dysfunction specialist who is currently a contestant on The Bachelorette that I think is particularly creepy, and yes, I have him going this home this week in my Bachelorette bracket. No judgments on this podcast, people. But it makes sense that people are trying to use real drugs and market them as natural supplements, because it has been found time and time again that natural dietary supplements are not very effective. And when I say effective... I mean, effective in the claims that an additional amount of whatever supplement you're taking will magically cure your insert ailment here. But I've read tons of articles, and really convincing ones at that, with claims that an additional amount of certain vitamins or minerals will do something favorable to my body. A series of studies held vitamin D as a possible defense against a long list of diseases, including cancer, diabetes, depression, and even the common cold. Omega-3 fatty acids have been touted for warding off strokes and other cardiovascular events. And antioxidants such as vitamin C and E and beta-carotene were seen as promising silver bullets against heart disease, cancer, and even Alzheimer's disease. But here's the big caveat. Many of these exciting supplement studies were observational. They didn't test a particular supplement against a placebo in a controlled setting. 
the results of more rigorous randomized controlled trials haven't produced the same desired results. My advice? Have a well-balanced diet, drink lots of water, and try and exercise a few times per week. And I know what you guys are thinking. I really would prefer to eat chips and watch Netflix in my spare time. But let me tell you, once you start eating more fresh fruits and veggies and healthy sources of protein, and then add in a little exercise, plus lots and lots of water, you really will start to feel super good. Your energy levels will go up, your skin will start to clear and be brighter, and all of those other fun things like rainbows and unicorns. PSA. I am not a registered dietitian, these are just my opinions, and drinking the recommended amount of water per day will not produce rainbows and unicorns. Sorry. Now we know that taking extra doses of vitamin C isn't going to really do that much for your body. And it is way better to just consume a balanced diet and get those nutrients naturally. Yes, by consuming something, that's the real, real natural way. In fact, some studies show that taking a supplement orally to complement your existing diets will not get you the same health results as just consuming the foods that have whatever you're trying to make up for. For example, if you don't eat red meat but are low in iron, you can easily get it from leafy greens like spinach or shrimp. You may also be under the impression that taking vitamins or supplements can't hurt you. I mean, if the vitamins exist naturally in the foods we eat and getting them that way is healthy, how can getting them another way hurt me? If the thing I'm reading says my supplement is all natural, no additives, cage-free, antibiotic-free, blah, 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 and the FDA hasn't banned it, that's okay too, right? Well, actually, both of these things can hurt you. A study that came out last year, led by authorities at the FDA and CDC, found that injuries caused by dietary supplements lead to over 20,000 emergency room visits per year. Most of these involve young adults that develop cardiovascular problems as a result of taking supplements for weight loss and energy enhancement. The study is unique in that it shows the extent of severe injuries and hospitalizations as a result of taking dietary supplements. Reported injuries included severe allergic reactions, heart trouble, nausea, and vomiting. And about 10% of the injuries, which is roughly 2,150 cases yearly, were serious enough to require hospitalization. The cases were linked to supplements including herbal pills, amino acids, vitamins, and minerals, many of which I'm sure were labeled as all-natural and super healthy for everything in your body. More than a quarter of the emergency room visits recorded in the study occurred among people ages 20 to 34, and half of these cases were caused by a supplement that was marketed for weight loss or energy enhancement. While the study only tracked hospitalizations, not deaths, serious and fatal problems have been associated with dietary supplements. For example, in 2013, the FDA, CDC, and Department of Defense investigated an outbreak of non-viral hepatitis that began in Hawaii. 97 people with acute non-viral hepatitis were identified in this outbreak, 72 of whom had used a product called OxyElite Pro. 47 were hospitalized, at least three got a liver transplant, and one person died as a result of taking this supplement. The products involved ultimately were found to have included a product that was not reported to the FDA, as required under their loose guidelines for dietary supplements. It was required to be reported because it wasn't already on the market before 1994. They also didn't provide evidence that the ingredient, called ageline, was reasonably expected to be safe for use in its supplements. 
The product was ultimately recalled as it was concluded that the use of supplements would cause serious illness or death. The same supplement was also associated with deaths on army bases in 2012 when two soldiers had heart attacks and died as a result of taking the same pre-workout supplement and others. Critics of the dietary supplement industry say that the findings from the hospitalization study that I talked about first prove that the low level of regulation from the government and FDA put many consumers at risk. On the other hand, industry representatives say that the study only shows a tiny fraction of people who had serious injuries as a result of the supplements. But with regular drugs, we as citizens are required to have the information about potential side effects and negative ramifications of taking something readily available. It's on the bottle. But dietary supplements, while some of them are just as dangerous with correct use or misuse, do not require the same labeling. Can you guys see the problems here? Wrapping up, I'd say the takeaway message today is to eat healthy, get a little exercise, drink lots of water, and make sure that any manufactured items that go into your body are at the very least read, if not researched first. This means reading the sodium content on a serving of your favorite store-bought bread or cookies, as well as doing your research on the proven benefits of any vitamins or supplements that you plan to take. Yes, this means looking up the clinical trials or at least controlled randomized studies done on the effects, both positive and negative, of what you plan to take. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. Also, there's a new way to keep up with Generation Invincible, and that's Tumblr. I recently made a Tumblr page where I will be posting links to new episodes and sharing things that I think are cool or interesting, including but not limited to Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes and pictures of donuts. Until next time, in the words of Flotus Michelle Obama, the women we honor today teach us three very important lessons. One, that as women, we must stand up for ourselves. The second, as women, we must stand up for each other. And finally, as women, we must stand up for justice for all.